So the reading today is from Daniel chapter 6 and verses 10 to 23. If you'd like to open your Bibles on your phone or paper Bible, please feel free to read along. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be replaced. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issued can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Great, Anna, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tom, and I'm part of the leadership team here at St. Aldate's. And it's a real privilege to be speaking to you today from the book of Daniel. And this story from the life of Daniel is legendary. It's ingrained in our popular culture. People with no knowledge of this story of some bloke 2,600 years ago talk about being thrown into the lion's den. If we dig a little deeper, though, this story, I believe, has something to tell us about how we can be resilient disciples of Jesus in our complex world. I'm going to draw out three uh, lessons for us from this passage about three things. Power, prayer, and praise. feels quite 80s. I'm quite enjoying it. Power, prayer, and praise. Before we do that, let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have uh, to meet together and to dig into your word. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come 
And help me as I speak and help us together to hear what it is that you might have to say to us from this passage this afternoon. Amen. Okay, so when we last met Daniel, he was interpreting dreams for King Belshazzar. But a long time has passed since then. We think Daniel is in his mid to late 80s, maybe even pushing 90 now. He's an old man. And there's a new king on the throne, King Darius. And Darius decides he needs a team. So he appoints 120 governors to help him run his kingdom. And over them, he appoints three line managers, uh, three prime ministers, if you like. And one of these is Daniel. And Daniel is so good at this job that Darius wants to promote him again to take him up another level to be his right-hand man. Not bad for the boy who was exiled, taken away from his home to a foreign land. And perhaps for this very reason, the other rulers are jealous, envious of Daniel's position, his proximity to power, and so they look for a way to undermine him. But he wasn't corrupt or negligent. That is, he didn't abuse his power for his own ends, but neither was he lazy or careless or unaware of the power he held. Remember, Daniel has been at this now for 70 years or more, and yet these other rulers cannot find any evidence of his having done anything wrong. That is extraordinary. I think if you were to look at my life over the last seven minutes, you'd probably find something I've done wrong, let alone the last 70 years. I haven't done anything majorly wrong in the last seven minutes, I think. Um, and so instead, finding Daniel blameless, they stop looking for something Daniel has done wrong, and instead, they go after something that he is doing right. The thing, in fact, that makes him distinctive, his faith in God. And they say to Darius, we, we've all had a meeting. We've all agreed, all 123 of us, that is a lie for a start, because Daniel wasn't invited to the meeting. I'm not sure what they said to him. It's like, oh, sorry, you missed the email. We all, we were all there. You know, we all decided together. For the next 30 days, nobody should worship anyone but you, King Darius. And if they do, they should be thrown into the lion's den. They appeal to the king to protect his own status, his own power. But actually, they're seeking to promote themselves. This passage uh, led me to reflect on my own first professional promotion. I remember it well. I was six and a half at the time. And my teacher said to me, Thomas, you have been chosen from the rest. You are to be, wait for it, the pupil librarian. I know, you didn't think I was that cool, did you? I really am. Um, and the role came with a 
badge. And she said, I think I might be misremembering it, but she said, steward this well with great power comes great responsibility. And I think at the time I thought it was made with some precious metal embossed in gold. It definitely wasn't. The clue should have been that she told me if I lost it, I'll have to pay two pound at the end of the year. And so what did I do? Drunk on power, I went home and hid it and promptly lost it. Um, Power can go to our heads. There's nothing wrong with progression. The issue comes when we undermine other people, when we uh, mess with our own integrity in order to achieve it because we're too invested in a role or a status or a job title or an achievement. Darius's advisors are powerful people, and yet the power they have isn't enough for them. They want more. They're envious of Daniel's position. They can't rise above him, so they seek to undercut him, to bring him down. We can be tempted, I think, when we read a story like this, to instinctively place ourselves in this story as Daniel. And if you're facing a Daniel dilemma, a lion's den moment, then hold on, we'll get there. But I think there are things we can learn too from these advisors and actually from King Darius as well about how not to do it. Each of us will be in situations where there are people in leadership or privilege over us. And you might be envious of a colleague or a sibling or a friend. You might be considering doing something underhand in order to get ahead. Don't do it. Be faithful to God. Our world is full of get ahead, quick strategy, self-improvement guides. There's a whole industry of pumping out podcasts, videos, books, dedicated to analyzing the lives of successful people in order to help other people to replicate that success. It's not wrong to seek to be your best, to pursue excellence. That can be a way to worship God through our work. But don't let that pursuit of power overtake or overcome your pursuit of God. Our worship of God is made up of our everyday decisions to put him first in every area of our lives which may mean choosing not to do the thing that we might think will help us to progress. Jesus teaches a radically different approach to leadership and power. When his disciples ask, who is going to be the greatest of us? He says, humble yourselves. Take up your cross. Always treat others as you would have them treat you. Servant leadership. That's what he models to us. Don't get sucked in by power. Or maybe you find yourself in a position of power like Darius. And those around you appear to be appealing to your integrity, appear to be wanting to protect you, but in fact are actually seeking to manipulate you to their own ends. Each of us is in a position of power in terms of what we spend, what we consume, what we invest our time and our money into. Maybe you have power or privilege because of your gender or the color of your skin. 
or your upbringing. There are people out there, and the Bible tells us not, not only that, but that we're in a spiritual battle with an enemy, and there are forces seeking to draw our attention, to lead us down a different road, to distract us, to tell us we'll only be complete if we have this thing, or do this thing, or make this move, or compromise in this way. We have to be discerning. Don't be a manipulator. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. Be aware of the corrupting nature of power. How do we do that? How did Daniel handle the level of power and influence invested in him? By doing the very thing that these governors are trying to get Daniel for, by praying. They know that every day, three times a day, Daniel opened the windows in the direction of the home he'd been exiled from, the promised land from which he had been removed. He kneels down, he prays. They know this. And what does Daniel do when he hears about this new law? Does he modify his behavior? No. He continues doing what he's always done. In fact, it says he does it as soon as he knows the document has been signed. He doesn't hesitate. Remember, Daniel is an old man. <coughs> Excuse me. As a teenager, he's been removed from his home, educated in the Babylonian ways. They've given him a Babylonian name, tried to feed him Babylonian food. And yet, he has consistently worshipped God, despite the shaping forces of his cultural context, despite living through the reigns of three kings, all of whom have sought to control his worship. He's remained faithful to God. A long obedience in the same direction. Quick side note. Nothing in the Bible tells us that we have to pray three times a day. This isn't actually a set rule that Daniel is following. But this has been his life's pattern. This is his way of worshipping God, of putting him first, of daily aligning his life to God's purposes. Of remembering who he is and whose he is, who he belongs to. Praying three times a day isn't a legalistic thing. It's not that coming away from this passage, we all need to go away and adopt this practice necessarily. But Daniel isn't the only person we see adopting this pattern of prayer. David in the Psalms talks about praying three times a day and Peter in Acts too. So if it's good enough for Daniel, it's good enough for David and it's good enough for Peter, maybe it's not such a bad place to start. The Bible tells us to pray all the time without stopping. This pattern of prayer is an artery that runs through Daniel's life, an opportunity to stop three times a day and touch base with God. The exact pattern Daniel is following here isn't really the point. The point is that he has faithfully pursued God in prayer. And he continues to do that even when it carries a death sentence. 
because it is the thing that brings him life. So if you don't have a pattern of prayer, I'd really encourage you to start. Why not make prayer the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to bed at night? And the center point of your day. Set an alert on your phone maybe for midday. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. Even a few seconds will help you to reconnect with Jesus. And no one is going to throw you into a lion's den if you miss a day. It'll be all right. Just get back on it. And there may be other spiritual disciplines that you want to establish and adopt in order to help you align your life with God's purposes. It could be fasting or solitude or Sabbath. I was speaking to one of our undergraduate students uh, after one of our morning services, and one of the things he was challenged on from uh, what Mark was preaching was to consider whether during the, his finals, his, his major exams, actually whether he should still take a Sabbath day of rest and what that might do and what impact that might have not only on him but on the people around him. Not necessarily saying you have to do that, but it's worth considering. Ask God. That's what I said to him. Ask God what he's calling you to do in this season. The culture says, work till you drop. Jesus says there's a better way. That's not to make anyone feel guilty or inadequate about their spiritual practice, but each one of us can ask God, God, how can I get closer to you today and each day after? And for some in the room, God might be calling you to establish or maybe even to re-establish patterns of prayer in your life that will act as an anchor in the lion's den moments that you face. Okay, we've got power, prayer, now praise. Back to the story. The advisors are appealing to Darius's integrity. They point to the law and say, hey, you passed this law. Daniel, your right-hand man, is breaking it. He has to be punished. I wonder if that sounds familiar with what's going on in our world at the moment, in our government. It's very hard not to read some of this into the situation that's going on at the moment. What I'd say is we need to pray for our politicians, that they would lead with integrity. We need to pray for justice, and we need to pray too that God will raise up godly men and women who love him, who will lead our country with integrity. When we hear what Darius says next, we can be tempted to think of him as a kind of like panto baddie. Because he says, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. But actually, Darius has genuine faith that God will rescue Daniel. Despite the fact he's allowed his integrity to be manipulated, and he's the one that's put Daniel in this situation. What happens? Darius goes away from the den, comes back the next morning, and he calls out anxiously, Daniel, are you still there? Has your God, who you serve, continually saved you? And he hears a voice coming from the den. Yes, God called an angel to shut the lion's mouth. What an incredible thing 
Why? He says this, they've not hurt me because I'm blameless in God's eyes and I didn't do anything wrong to you either. It's tempting for us to rush over this part of this story because we know how it ends, right? But Daniel has spent a whole night with some powerful, hungry, ferocious lions. It can't have been a comfortable night. Some of the things that God calls us to are uncomfortable. And yet, Daniel is kept safe by God. They lift him out of the den, and there's not a scratch on him. And Darius orders instead that the other chief ministers and the other advisors should be thrown into the lion's den together with their families, and they're dead before they hit the ground. This rescue of Daniel is a miracle. God rescues Daniel from certain death. And yet, again, we can miss this. Almost the bigger miracle is what comes next. This is where praise comes in. Because of Daniel's integrity, Darius worships God. There's a song of worship that we find at the end of this passage. Darius says this, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Not me, Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel's worship, Daniel's faithfulness, Daniel's integrity, and God's faithfulness to Daniel transforms the culture that Daniel is in. When we choose integrity, when we choose God, it not only impacts our lives, it impacts the lives around, of those around us. It changes something in the atmosphere when we choose to stand for God. We may not be able to see it. It may not be as dramatic as the conversion of a king and his whole kingdom. But the decisions we make to follow God, whether we're being a Christian in five minutes or 50 years, whether we're in a company of one or a thousand, a class of three or 300, whether we are single or married, it all counts. Be faithful to God. You may never see the fruit of your faithfulness, but our faithfulness and our prayer, our integrity can lead others to praise. And that can be true whether God rescues us from the lion's den or not. If you're facing a lion's den moment, an integrity check, I can't promise that God will rescue you from it. But I can promise that he is faithful. So, beware power, pursue prayer. Faithfulness can lead to praise. The last thing I want to say is this. Daniel's faithfulness to God relies on his knowledge and understanding of God's faithfulness to the Israelites. 
Daniel prays in the direction of Jerusalem because he knows that is the promised land given to his people by God, even though he isn't in it right now. And he knows that God has prophesied that he will return his people to that land. There's another story, the greatest story ever told of a man who was blameless, but allowed himself to be nailed to a wooden cross through the negligence of a powerful leader, just like Darius, who allowed himself to be manipulated, who died and was placed in a tomb covered by a heavy stone, much like the one that covered the mouth of the lion's den. No one has ever had such integrity, not even Daniel. No one has ever had such power and yet given it up. No one has ever committed a greater act of worship And Jesus did it so you and I could be free. And on the third day, people came to the tomb and found Jesus was alive. This is the God we worship. This is why we pursue him with integrity, because he's already given everything for us. He's taken our place in the lion's den. So maybe today you need to choose to renew your relationship with God, to establish those daily check-ins that will help you neither to be manipulated nor to be manipulated, but instead to be molded by God, to carry the, the power that's been invested in you with integrity. Maybe you're facing a lion's den moment today and you need to know God standing with you. Or maybe you need to say sorry to God. Maybe you know you're not walking with integrity, that you've been shaped by culture, not the creator. The message for you today is that there is grace. That's what the cross is for. But course correct today. Maybe you've decided, you've never decided to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you want to do that today for the first time.